We have intercepted a coded Imperial transmission. We need to know what it is and how to destroy it. I saw part of the message. He w I seem to have found it. This is Star Wars Declassified, the Star Wars show where Nerdable's hosts, R.A. Rain and Chris Kohler, declassify the Star Wars universe one episode at a time. Sir, I am fluent in six million forms of communication. This signal is not used by the Alliance. It could be an Imperial code. Several transmissions were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. I want to know what happened to them. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Nerdables Presents Star Wars Declassified. Declassified. Close enough. <laughs> Star Wars Declassified? Yeah, there you go. Star Wars Declassified is the show where my partner Rich and I take a single Star Wars topic and wax poetic about it with fact, opinion, and speculation on a singular topic, or it can be broad, it can be specific. Uh, for this episode, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, today, we're going to talk about canon, but we're going to focus on... What bugs us? A little history for canon. Uh, October 11th, 1977, the Star Wars universe received its first official expanded universe story, although the EU term would not be coined for several more years. That day saw the release of a Marvel comic, Star Wars number 7, titled New Planets, New Perils, and featured the very first Star Wars content that was not featured in a film. Soon, new novels like Splinter of the Mind's Eye and the Han Solo Adventures Join the comics in detailing our hero's adventures not seen on the big screen. After the lull of new material in 1984, after Return of the Jedi, Banta Books released Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire, and Dark Horse Comics released the, min the miniseries Dark Empire in 1991, which revitalized the whole franchise, spurned all this kind of new content, eventually led to um, new films as well. These stories specifically told the story of what happened after the Emperor's death. Two series which were released only a few months apart faced some odd continuity er errors, especially concerning the control of the planet Coruscant, in which Heir to the Empire was in the hands of the New Republic. Dark Empire, which was a year later, it was back in the hands of the Empire in the middle of a civil war. Lucasfilm's publishing arm started keeping track of continuity, and thus the true EU born. Throughout this expansion of new books, comics, video games, and eventually prequel films and cartoons, George Lucas had said that all material outside of the visual media, which was the movies and eventually TV, were not canon, meaning the events in those stories could be changed and rendered moot at any time. After Disney acquired LFL in the fall of 2012, they announced that they were going to make new films right away, continuing the saga. It left the EU as it existed in some limbo until April 25th, 2004, where the newly formed Lucasfilm Story Group officially eliminated all EU stories, citing only the six existing films and the Clone Wars cartoon series on Cartoon Network were considered canon. That was it. Everything else was gone. They also stated that all the forthcoming books and comics would fit into this new canon, along with the films that were coming. Uh... So this changed some things. There were things that you, mad. made a lot of people mad. But that's actually not what we're focusing on. It's more the idea of what canon is and the idea that sometimes you have something what a lot of people call headcanon. There's right. things that you believe in the Star Wars universe or you want to believe in the Star Wars universe. And then somewhere down the line, Lucasfilm, a story will come out which kind of changes what you think about it or what you want to think about it. And those are kind of the things that we're going to talk about today. We're but, huge fans and... We love Star Wars, but there's always those things, those canon pieces that bug us. And what we've done today is we're going to discuss three of them. 
uh, each on this podcast. And the rules we kind of made up for this is it has to be something having to do with story. Uh, not liking a character like Jar Jar, that doesn't count. Um, my big issue with Chewbacca not hugging Leia in Force Awakens after Han dies, that doesn't count. That doesn't change the story at all. Right. You'll see as we go through these topics, they're things that ex- either come to explain things or change things. Kind of like the midi chlorians. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that in a minute, uh, especially because I'm going to have you go first. But the idea in terms of you know just kind of setting ground rules for it, it isn't something like, oh, I didn't like Jar Jar, or oh, I don't like the Ewoks. That doesn't matter. Um, it's got to be something, as, as you'll see as we start talking about it, it's a thing that affects the story as a whole. It either affects the way that something works, the way that the Force works, the way that the story works, the way that the clones work, or it's something where you kind of look at it and you just turn in your head like, I really don't like that change. Yeah. Um, it's not on here, but one of the things I thought of is when they changed Darth Maul's origin. Right. Um, you know, they had him, it wasn't necessarily a, a hard-pressed origin, but he was a Zabrik. And then through Clone Wars, they're like, well, he's a Zabrik, but he was actually born on Dathmir, or he was taken to Dathmir because he had to be a Night Witch, because they decided to put in the, the Night Sisters. There was a certain clan of, uh, yeah. of, of Zathamirs that were taken There was to. a great article, um, it was actually a, a visual thing that they did in Star Wars Insider Magazine that had all these arrows and everything. It was like how Darth Maul and Savage Repress got onto Dathmir and some right. of the changes that were in it. So that's the kind of stuff that we're going to talk about today. And like I said, three each of us have three topics. And we're just going to talk about them a little and why they bug us. And I'm sure uh, the other person will have an opinion for it. So I'm going to start with you. So Rich is going to give you one of the things that bugs him in terms of what we now consider to be canon according to Lucasfilm. And they're not in any particular order. Which one is no. strongest? This, you know. Because my thing, the biggest thing that's going to bug me is the fact that Chewbacca doesn't hug Leia in right. Awakens. It drives me nuts every time I see that film. One of the things that really bugs me is the uh, droid factory in Episode 2. And you can slash that with the, the C-3PO head on the battle droid and the battle droid head on C-3PO's body. Just, it bugs me so bad because it's it's so out of first the the change over the head just being put onto the body doesn't seem to work with the mechanics of you know of the droid itself you know it's just either droid either droid yeah you know how it, it you can just magically almost pop on the head and there's not a lot of real wiring in there or anything or intricacies wow that have been, you know, added I to. Say disclass- <laughs> I still can't say declassified. Apparently, uh, yeah, there were there wasn't anything in the programming that would change the droid enough to cause what we saw in the films, and and the and the big problem with the droid factory was that it was shoehorned in in pickups, you know, two months before the movie came out because they felt like they needed to have something to get Anakin and Padme to the arena. Well, the other thing that they kind of said afterwards that they put in, not necessarily afterwards they put in, but they wrote the whole um, asteroid chase because they realized that they didn't have any space war in it. Right, yeah. So. But yeah, I just, you know, it, it, to me, the when they're going through the droid factory, it felt like a, a live-action version of Mario or, you know, or even uh, Donkey Kong. You know, they're, they're jumping over things. They're going underneath. It felt like Mario a platform. Fits. Huh? Yeah. It's Mario a, it's a platform. You know, it's a, almost like a platforming game. And you, you also, that's when you first have C3, or, uh, R2-D2 flying, which didn't look 
that great. And I don't know. It's just I had so much trouble with the Droid Factory. I think the the canon thing, and I actually can't believe I didn't put it down here, but um, they go through all of this. They face all these droids. And the end of it is just two destroyers and Django sitting there with the, with the cannons. Oh, we give up. Yeah. And it, it comes to one of the things that both is that the representation of the power of the Force is so different. And the Clone Wars cartoon had this all, all the time. You have Anakin right. who can do whatever. There's an episode with a sniper, and I'm looking at him like, he's at the bottom of the building. Anakin, just push him off. It's like it's not really, you know, he's he's far enough away or whatever. He's close enough that he can get him. So I was sort of, that was one of the ones that, that that's one of the things that bugs me too. Yeah, well, the there's also a way to get rid of his lightsaber that, you know, gets cut in half yeah. and... Yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the story change in it is a lot of having to do with, with the way the droids are made or, or, or whatever. But yeah, like you said, especially the C-3PO unit, the, the galactic cyborg, Galactobot or whatever, um, all of a sudden I can't remember his exact designation. Uh, Which one? For the... For C-3PO. Is it Cy... Cy Galactic? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's... Uh, yes. The three series or whatever. Yes. The CP series. Um, it's kind of... All the the programming processes would be in the head. Right. So putting himself on a body with a gun, he wouldn't be shooting that gun. He'd still be in control of the body. Right. Or making him Even die. Bit, you know, the, yeah, that's the what I mean. Crappy that, that lines sort of that they came up with. Um, yeah, it does, and, and it, yeah, it definitely doesn't fit. I mean, Attack of the Clones is through the three of them. I think even if you look at episode one with all of its problems, Attack of the Clones is probably the weakest of the three. And yeah. part of the reason is that they had to find pieces to stretch that story. Well, it's also like they needed to find a reason to get him into the arena because I mean yeah. R two you could get in there easily because he can fly. I thought you could just easily, more easily have him get in the fight with Django. You've seen Django already hold his own against Obi Wan. So right. with Anakin, who at that point would not have been as, as technically sound as as Obi Wan. Django could have defeated him. Yes. Or he could have taken Padme hostage. And yeah, said, even better. Drop your saber and go, you know. Well, especially since Padme ends up in a big smelting pot anyways. She's in a, um, oh gosh, a walk. She's in a giant walk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's one of mine. Uh, yeah, one of the things that sticks in your craw. Um, I'm going to start, I have three actually kind of big ones, and two of them are very close. Two of them actually deal with... Um, the caveat that one of my favorite series and books ever is Karen Travis's Republic Commando series. And in her series, and then also the books that she wrote in the Star Wars Legacy book series, which were much, much later in the future, but feature Boba Fett, she really shaped Mando culture um, that had never been really explored before. There was a little bit in Knights of the Old Republic, the, car, the uh, comic book series, mm-hmm. and uh, even in the game. But it really didn't establish what Mandalore was, what the Mandalorians were. And she did a great job of putting this all together. Um, and then uh, they threw it out in Clone Wars. And uh, one of the reasons this is one of my biggest bugs is she did a book called Imperial Commando where she was continuing this story after Order 66. Order 66 ended the Republic Commando, obviously because of the, the, uh, the creation of the Empire. Yeah. Um, and those characters moved in. They became a couple of the characters became Imperial stormtroopers. The other ones that had been able to get away, spoiler alert, uh, were living their lives. And there was one book released, and then she felt betrayed. Too strong a word, but a sense of well, 
the stories that I came up with, they don't have anymore. I think betrayed's a good word. So betrayed's betrayed's too strong because she so? didn't. Yeah, because she wasn't. A lot of people have accused her of being very, you know, whiny about it. You took my toys away and going away. But she basically said, Lucasfilm as a whole they has removed her. a lot of the stories that she had by the Clone Wars episodes that revealed that during the time of the Republic, at least the later time of the Republic. Mandalore itself was a pacifist mm-hmm. uh, world, and none of that is in Karen's books, even though they take place at the same time. Do you think that was more George or Dave Filoni? I, well, everything's approved by George. It started with Dave Filoni. It, it fit the story they were trying to tell, because they were trying to tell the story of Satine, and they were trying to tell the story of the Death Watch. Right. And put all that together because um, they got back to it more of it, especially when when you get to the end of Clone Wars. Yeah, and then but it still Rebels. doesn't it doesn't fit into what she had because her story takes place right up to episodes or episode Order sixty six. Right, Darth Maul's not in charge. Right, so all of that is 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 all added. Yeah. anyway. Um, so it, it kind of ruined that Imperial Commando. She also didn't have series. a dark saber either, did she? No, she didn't have any of that. Yeah. It, the Mandos are not a race. They're, she had established the Mandos, and I'm, I'm probably going to get a little bit of this wrong because it's been years since I read them. The Mandos are completely nomads and mercenaries. Right. They're people who come to Mandalore to become mercenaries. They join into Mando culture. They then consider themselves Mandalorians, and then right. they turn around and become usually bounty hunters, mercenaries, or the so on and so forth. When you get into the legacy books, there's a big part because part of her story in that is uh, Boba Fett is trying to the Mandalore is trying to get Boba Fett to come back to the planet to basically become the president or the king of the planet so that Mandalorian culture can come back and that was a big part of the later parts in that series. Sure, okay. Um, so for me, one of the things that bugged me is making this warrior culture a pacifist planet for any amount of time. Um, but they, Filoni did it because he wanted to tell the Death Watch story. Mm-hmm. He wanted to eventually tell the Darth Maul story, where they kind of flip everything around. And of course, we have the stories now in Rebels. And I don't absolutely hate them, but I did hate what they did uh, because they erased a lot of the stories that I really liked in in the characters that are in there in the Karen Travis Republic Commando series because she uses Mandalorians as the live training sergeants for the clones. Right. And there's a lot of stuff with clones in there, and that's going to be part of my second one. Do you think it would bug you as much if you hadn't read the Travis books? Probably not, because no one would know. If you don't read them, then... But there are things, like your next one. Your your next one that I know you're going to talk about, and I don't want to get into it because I want you to go through it, but your next one can bug you without having read the book that is um it can but the reason it does is because the other explanation is better and we'll get into that in a second one but i want to do yours first and then we'll get into that um i want to save the the big one for last because i know it bugs you too uh so one of the things that really bugs you one last (laughs) the one of the things that really bugs me is the added scene for episode four with han and and uh, jabba the now, greatest scene in history. Now, see, I, I I don't mind a lot of the added scenes to the Star Wars saga. I there are things about them, the no with Darth Vader and the oh, Return no of the Jedi. The it it you know it, it's horrible, but it doesn't bug me as bad as this blinking Ewoks. Well, this is the lar- this is the largest one. The other ones are all cosmetic. This the the stuff in in Jabba's dungeon, uh, Bespin is very cosmetic, right? 
Uh, my big thing is they removed Boba Fett's original voice. Yeah. They used Timon Morrison in it, which I've never liked because I love Boba's original voice. Um, especially Jedi. It's so cosmetic yes. in it. And then the Blu-rays with the no is the worst well, thing. Well, and I've then ever changing and changing and putting Hayden Christensen as, you know, in the, as oh, a ghost. Yeah. Which is pretty bad. That fits as a canon one, too. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, I forgot about that one until just now. But the Han and Jabba one... There's a sequel to this podcast. Yeah, right? The Han and Jabba one really bugs me because it's so out of character. I get why they felt they needed to have Han step on Jabba's tail. Because they have, in the, in the footage, they have Han walking around the human version of Jabba... In the that was originally shot. Yeah, you forget now that the backstory of this is that there was a scene shot with a human playing Jabba. If you read the original comic, uh, it's a weird looking alien, but it's a humanoid alien. Right. And they used all those plates with the people that were in costume and what have you, and they added some CGI characters, including Boba Fett. Yes. Um, in the special edition of this incredibly added scene, and like I said, it's the biggest change in any of them so just as a background that's why there's this weird scene where they they had to retro the java that we saw in episode uh six who still is nowhere near no in episode four is nowhere near as large as he is in six. Oh no no he's not and the funny thing is when you look at the the first time they did it with the special editions the java didn't look that good no and then they changed it with the Blu-rays, and he looks a lot better. But they still have I Han. We're seeing it on the Blu-ray. They they changed the color scheme. The, okay. the color palettes changed, but they still have Han stepping on Jabba's tail. Yeah, my problem with with it in terms of continuity is size, because in Episode One, when he's in the the viewing box of the pod race, he's closer to the size that he is in Episode Six. Yes, it's almost like he shrinks. Yes, because if you look, because Bib Fortuna is also in that in the viewing box. Yeah, and Bib Fortuna is about the same height as he is, or they're, they're when they stand next to each other, the same height that they the are in Jedi. Is, yeah, the relationship is the same as Jedi. Right. Um. But first of all, if Han would have something, we can't call Return of the Jedi Jedi anymore. No. Because the last Jedi would be referred to as Jedi, Jedi also. Yeah. Damn you, Lucasfilm. But going back to this one. We can't call Re- no, we can't call Return because it's Revenge of the Sith. Okay, right. Anyway. anyway. Going back to this one. If the way we know Jabba and know everything about Jabba, if Han steps on his tail, he's going to kill him. He's going to have Boba Fett turn around and kill him. And I know that when they were looking at this, they and it, this has bugged me since the very first time I saw it. They could have easily had him, but they could have cut. They, they could have left the dialogue, but cut to Boba Fett or one of the other Rodians there. Or you get a cl- to a close up of Jabba. Or do a close up of Jabba, and then when you see when you cut back to the two shot of Han and Jabba, Han's on the other side. It will give the audience the illusion in their mind that Han walked all the way around him. But not have to have that stupid footage of him on stepping over the tail. How dare you say it's stupid? It is. It's horrible. No, it's it terrible. Bugs me. It's, 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 it's my problem. My two problems with it. One is a technical aspect because it's not technically well done. Um, my second is it changes. To me, it changes the sense of Han needs to get off the planet. Yes. One of the reasons I love Empire is because from the moment that the Imperials get into the system in Hoth. It's just a chase film. Right. Everything in it is, you know, obviously not with Luke, but Luke's got a time crunch as well, especially once he, obviously, he learns about what happened to his friends. In Star Wars, he's 
trying to get some money so he can pay off Jabba. He's he's trying. He's moving. He's got to go. He's got to do whatever. Right. He sees Greedo and he kills him. To me, it's like I better get out of here. Yeah. I, if I don't have the money, and these kids, this kid and this old man are going to give me enough money that I can pay off Jabba, or at least give him enough that he gets, he literally gets off my tail. Um, <laughs> the, although it's the other way uh, around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if Jabba's there, what? Why is it such a big deal? Right. Because this gets all the way to Empire. His thing in Empire, I have all this money. I got all the credits from from helping the Rebellion. Um, but I'm still hanging out with them. I'm not leaving yet. But I have this huge price on my head. Well, obviously, Jabba didn't care enough to try and extort it out of you when he's sitting right in front of you in the Falcon. Well, the other thing is, he could have given him the 2000 that Ben had just gave him. Yeah. And told him, look... I got another 15 the scene, coming. The scene is, and this is kind of one of Lucas's downfalls in writing Star Wars, the scene was written without really thinking of what they were going to do with Han in Empire. Right. There wasn't a point where he's saying, I can't stay here. I have to go back and pay him off. Yeah. Or else he's going to kill me. You know, we have bounty hunters chasing me on a word Mantel. Boba Fett's coming after me. Right. He's, he's coming to get me because... Java wants me dead. Instead, he's going to put me as a decoration on the wall that doesn't fit with what you have because the dialogue was written in 1977 or 76 without thinking this is what we're going to be in 1981. So that's what bugs me in that. Because it does, to me, it changes Java. And to me, the other thing about it is it's not a strong enough scene that warrants needing to be put back no. in. They they did it at the time because they re-releasing Star Wars, they had to come up with something bigger to say, hey, we're going to put this movie back out. And look what as we, we can were, do. Well, yeah, but as, as seen later, it, you put Star Wars in the theater again, people will go see it. Right. You know, it, it's not a needed thing. It was kind of a fun thing to kind of do in, in addition to, you know, the Ronto and changing some of the aliens in the cantina. And the Falcon's engines glowing as it takes off. You know, the yeah. scene that you never see, that you've never seen before. Those were all, again, cosmetic changes, which kind of enhances the film in terms of just little bits. But I would have rather seen, like, the Anchorhead stuff with Cammy and Biggs and everybody. Yeah, but even that, that breaks what Lucas had always said was the beginning. The first act of the film was all through the droids. Sure. You have to follow the droids to get to Luke, and then the, Luke follows the droids to Ben. Right. And then Ben leads them to the desert. But you could, have, you could have had the... Take out the part where Luke is looking up at the battle. I have a feeling they the don't battle. even have that footage anymore. They have it, but it's never been uh, remastered. Because they put it up, remember, they put it onto the, the Blu rays as uh, deleted scenes. Oh, yeah. But you take out the part where Luke looks up and sees the battle, and then you just you have the droids land on Tatooine and go their separate ways. Then you cut to Luke and them in Anchorhead. And then, you know. Well, again, that's what Lucas said. The reason he cut it was because once you see the droids, you follow the droids. Right. That's I get it. that. So. That was but, the reason. Yeah, so that that's like one of my big. You know, I, I know people are going to say, "Well, what about you know Han shooting first things like that?" Ugh. I think they've been covered enough. You know. Yeah, that's one of the ones that bugs everybody. Yeah, it bugs me mostly because if, if Greedo's that's terrible, then Han should have just got up and walked away because Greedo could have been shooting at him in right. the cantina as he walked out, and he would have missed him. Yeah, I still want to do that bit. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> he shoots him and, and, and the Han just looks over like Chewie, come here, check this out. Chewie. All right, Greedo. Do it again. 
Look at him. He can't hit me. I'm, I'm sitting too, here. Everyone's just laughing, and it cuts the time. Well, look, they're, they're, they're sit, about Hans two. They're like there. we are. Yeah, Hans is sitting there bored as Greedo keeps firing, and he keeps hitting the wall instead of hitting him. They just get up and walk away. I mean, I, I you know, I'm probably not the best shot in the world, but I'm two feet from you. I'm about as far as Greedo was from Han. Yeah. I can shoot you point blank. He's got him right there. Like, yeah. Why does he put his hand though? Yeah, you move. Well, he kind of moves. And then, no, then Han, then Han has the force because you know he does that jerk when he moves. A little bit, yeah. Oh, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> I know. The, yeah, that, that's one of the ones that we, we don't need. To we eliminated that. that one first. Um, and in the city, it's not Han shot first. Han shot. Right. The original, <laughs> Greedo doesn't shoot. Greedo just gets fried. So, um, what's your next? My one? second one is the Order sixty six. Is the result of a chip. In the head of the clone troopers. Yes. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to recycle again. Uh, the Republic Commando series. There um, there was something very early where when people were talking about Karen Travis's writing with the Star Wars universe, one of the things they said was she doesn't like Jedi. And I was actually went to a panel at San Diego, which she was on. And someone asked her that. So you don't like Jedi? And she's like, no. The way that they're written, I'm taking what's in the films, and what's in the films is you have a group of Jedi who are handed these group of men and use them as soldiers and don't seem to care about them. Right. And don't. So she was very, you know, taking what was in the series already and using it to kind of extrapolate what she decided. And if you read the books, the two Jedi in it are not great Jedi. Yeah, um, they're good people. That they're not great Jedi, and that was part of they they leave the order, whatever. Um, but in the book, she mentions that uh, there are a number of orders, something like a hundred of them, and Order sixty six is literally uh, in case of a coup by the Jedi Order, the clones are to execute them immediately, which is a legitimate order that you it's would a legitimate find in, order in any military handbook. And what happens is in in the books, it's basically a, a a denunciation of the Jedi again. They don't read the order sheet. Right. It's a mil, it's a military standing order. There's a hundred orders. You know, the first one is protect the Republic. The second one is protect the Chancellor uh, at all times. You, you read the your top right, yeah. ten, and that's about. And the reason that I liked that was because the clones are still given their free will. Mm-hmm. Their training. Their indoctrination, their everything that's in their lives. They're bred to be a single purpose. They're bred to be soldiers. They're bred for war. They're bred to follow orders. In the books, the the you follow the alphas, and that's the the alpha commandos, and they don't have that same group because or that same um, thinking is because they're pulled out. They're made into you know basically what would be. Super commandos that are they're they have more free will in terms of you know yeah they're they're, they're higher thinking and stuff like that. In the Clone Wars TV series, it's re- revealed that it's a chip. It's they're simply brainwashed. It's a mechanical thing inside of them. It's a flip of a switch. I hate that. I really Which, hate it because it takes away some of the, the intricacies of the Clone Wars because there was nothing the Jedi could have ever done. Right, because they would have had to get a clone trooper and cut him open, and like, well, what's this thing in the brain? Oh, this is a chip. What or wait till do? something. But yeah, but the other thing is, I mean, they have advanced scanners and stuff like that within that yeah. universe. You and it's it's a cop out to me too. I mean, it's it's a cop out because 
one of the things that you realize as you go from episodes one, two, and three, especially two and three, obviously, and you go through the Clone Wars, and then you get to Order 66, and you go, all the people I've been rooting for just murdered the Jedi. Right. And the Jedi, is for their faults, are still the good guys. So you're watching someone like Commander Cody in... Uh, the Clone Wars TV series, and you notice he, he like disappears in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, is while you're watching him, you're going, "That guy's gonna try and murder Obi Wan. He's literally going to just shoot at him. Yeah, and and attempt to murder him. And so it's a hard thing to watch the Clone Wars TV series. Like these are all bad guys. Right. These guys form the first ranks of the stormtrooper, and the chip takes that away. You're allowed to root for them because it's not their fault. And but but the reason that they did that, and you know you, you can understand this, is because it is a kids show at heart. It's not even that it's a kids show; it's the fact that it's a Star Wars show. They're telling, but every, they also have to telling, have a visual representation telling, of. You don't have to have a visual. You can just take it away. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an easy thing. It never had to be really explained. No, that's my we'll problem. We'll get to with it. we'll get to one of yours. Um, I think your next one. If you if you kept the same three, I the kept next the same one, three. yeah, is is the one that bugs me because it doesn't ha- have to be explained. Right. Um, so, I I've never liked removing that intricacy because the Clone Wars are, if you start to dissect them, if you pull them out, especially the Clone Wars TV series, and you take some of the the now non-canon fiction, but a lot of stuff still fits. They're very complicated mm-hmm. in a great way because the separatists are sort of right. Right. Count Dooku, in a way, is sort of right. In the episode two, we've talked about, he tries to give, he, try, he tells Obi-Wan the truth. Yeah. What if I told you that the Sith has infiltrated he the totally Chancellor? Didn't. Nope, no way. Wait, what? Oh, that's true? Oh, no. I I want that scene in episode three where they're like, the, the, <laughs> the Chancellor's a Sith Lord, and Obi-Wan goes, oh, no. Dooku was he right. Sees, he sees, he's, he's Yoda. Um... Master Yoda? Yes. Uh, I I kind of I knew, and I, I didn't you know I didn't. No no anything. no. But do you remember he does Wrong tell Yoda? He does tell Yoda, and he, and he they don't believe him. Windu he tells Yoda and Windu, and they don't believe him. Well, he didn't believe. Oh, but man. he didn't believe it himself. He, oh. Yeah. Anyway, they keep saying that he's been corrupt by by the dark side, so you know he's probably yeah. lying. So the chip thing is 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 my big one because again it changed the the. What was an established again? It's non-canon because it was in a book, but an established piece that I really liked. That then, if they never put the chip in there, mm-hmm. the head canon for me is still the same, and it still is in a way. For right, me. but see, they could have done, done some, some really interesting things with it too. Because now, if it was an order, Commander Cody has a hard decision to make to go after Obi Wan to kill. Well, that's Obi-Wan. the thing. It changes. It changes Cody's Cody's character and Rex's character would be completely different. Right. Rex would have gotten that order when he would be with, as now, would be with Ahsoka. Yes. Because they're on, I think they're on Mandalorian. They're on Mandalorian. According to the, the yeah. Ahsoka novel. When that order flips, he's, I'm not doing this. Right, I've realized this is wrong. Yeah, this is, there's no way. Yeah. And I, I liked it because there's, it gives an out to a lot of them. Obviously, Rex survives and the two other people mm-hmm. that he's on, whatever planet he's on in season two. Yes. Right? Um, you know, they're still there. There's something to them. Oh, you know, they didn't. They didn't follow the order. They got away. That sort of thing. That's great. Except 
it's not it's oh their chip malfunctioned or whatever it is i don't remember what the official explanation is the the chip malfunctioned so they took him back to camino and um i think ahsoka was there yeah i don't remember for sure but that's that's my second one um that bugs me and like i said it's the first two come from the fact that i really love the karen travis novels and the way that they explained everything so yeah that's my number two. Your but number that's three. Still, that that one's that that makes sense. I mean, it's a lot along the lines of mine that it's a non-necessary change. You know, it's not something yeah. that you that you really need to change. They didn't. I I never felt that they had to do it. I thought you could have followed the clones the way you were. Yeah. And then as you grew up, yes, you start to realize like, wait a minute, all the people I liked when when I was a kid watching Clone Wars, those guys are the bad guys. What the heck? But then you you could have had more sympathy with the clones. I think. Yeah. Um, Your final one. My final one, and I know this bugs you too. And as soon because I read it this, doesn't bug me as much because of what happens after. But I'll let you do it. So when I first read the Ahsoka novel, and I saw this change, or I read this change, and then I also heard about it, what they were talking about online about doing this, it really bugged me because I've always liked the idea, and I, it probably could be from even from the from playing the Knights of the Old Republic game, is that there were a few colors of kyber crystals. You know, even when Lucas said that that there were only blue, green, uh, what? Blue, blue green, green red, purple, red, and then purple for Yeah, the only, the only four colors that were in any sort of canonical material is the blue, green, and red that you saw in the original trilogy, and again in the, the prequels, and then Mace Windu's purple, which uh-huh. was a caveat or a... a um, and I love the idea that... ...thing for, for, uh, for Samuel Jackson. He yes. said he wanted to have a different color. I love the idea that the reason that the Sith, the Sith kybers were red was because they were synthesized. And, which made sense to me. And then they came up with this idea in Ahsoka because they wanted to have her white lightsaber they, that, the, that they're living organisms. And that the... Not necessarily they're living, but yes, they, they're, they're able to be changed. They change with the Jedi or, or the, yeah. the Force user that, that's using them. And it was a way to take the red crystals... From and, and turn them into a color that she could use as lightsabers because she didn't have her lightsabers anymore because they're with her empty graves. Well, I don't want to go into details in case you want to read the book, but there it was a way to explain how she got her white light, lightsaber blades. So they changed the whole idea of what happens to a kyber crystal, uh, and it just it just completely bugs me. I mean, I, I you know I, I can understand. To a degree that... Did you read the, Darth Vader number one? The new one? Yeah. No. Because in Darth Vader number one, he admits what it is is that the crystals bleed. Right. No, that's what I was going to yeah. say is that the reason that the Sith turn red is because the the the, the kybers bleed. I knew that. The, yeah, the, for, the Force user... They corrupt them. The Force user himself or herself corrupts the crystals in the process of making the saber and it makes them bleed. Right. And but I don't like that. I mean, I, that that I part know. as far as for the Sith, I, I I always thought it was just they found red crystals. Really? And in my you head, know, I there was said, there was there was something in, in non in the old EU that was they were synthesized. Yeah, I think it was a Knights of the Old Republic thing was that they were synthesized. Yeah, here's here's that one. That era is not my Balwick. I I've checked out on a lot of it outside of the series. But here's one of my big problems with 
the color of the Kyber is effect, or the color of the Kyber is affected by the Jedi. That's that's. We've been building. talking about Kyber for the last two minutes, and we still haven't said it as many times as they say it in Rogue One. I know, right? <laughs> um, or the novel. If you read Catalyst, oh my god! Right? Okay. When Luke gets Anakin's lightsaber, it's uh, it's already built. Yes, I get. But shouldn't the Kyber crystal change colors to whatever Luke is? Because well, it doesn't have to. It doesn't Luke, have Luke's to. Still on the light but, side, so sure. But Ahsoka's changed to white. A lot of people say it's because she's a non-Jedi. But if you go back to the end of Clone Wars, Yoda tells her, and Anakin tells her at the very end, "You've pretty much that was your trials. You're you're a but Jedi novel, if you want." She she rejects her idea of being a member of the Order. The white changes because of her apathy towards. See, I felt the that the order. white changed because it went from red to a different. You know, it, it couldn't go back to a blue or a green color. Because it had been red, it had already bled. I guess it gives you it gives you some leeway. The way I read it was because she had turned down the order. She had something that didn't belong to the order. Right. She had a color that never belonged to the order. Okay. So then, how how about this? Ezra's first lightsaber is blue. Yes. Then his second lightsaber is green. How does his lightsaber change from blue to green? That's the, the next one. Well, one of the things they haven't told you is if there is a difference between a blue and a green. I know some people have talked about the idea that the blue is a protector and the green is a warrior or something. Or do you be, the better you become as a force user, you're, the changes color to a green or something. But then again, you have yeah, a lot of Jedi Masters that after were blue. Episode, yeah, you had an idea after episode one was that when you were a master, you had green. Because right. Qui-Gon had green and Obi-Wan had blue. And we would know that Obi-Wan, and Luke had blue, but and then they get green. thrown out because Obi Wan ends up being a master, right? And he's on the council, and he doesn't have a he doesn't have a green right. saber. So See, that and when I first when I first after episodes one, two, and three with Luke with his lightsaber that was green, I in my mind came up with the ideas that was Qui Gon's kyber crystal that he got from Obi Wan's hovel, and when he built his lightsaber, because he wouldn't be able to go to a cave and get him and the only way he'd be able to get a kyber would be from whatever obi-wan had that's well, why that's why the I mean, design of his lightsaber hilt is part so of much the, like obi-wan part of the change is that when he leaves oh no because he's still yeah he's still on the medical frigate so he's got time to go find a kyber crystal sure because he's not doing the, the thing yes and, and now you can throw that out too because there's no canon that he built it on obi in, in on tatooine there is the deleted scene shows him building deleted it in the caves. Deleted scenes is not listed as a thing. What I'm saying is you can throw that out now because it's not in the film and it's no longer in, in any comic or book series. Right. But I always at like some that. Point, at some point, I almost guarantee you they're going to tell the story in something, either a book or a comic book series, how he builds his new saber. But I always like the idea that the reason it looks so much like Obi-Wan's is because It'll probably the, the same parts story were right. figure out how Maz figured it. Yeah. How did you get this? That is a story for another time. Otherwise known as, we don't want to explain this now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just I thought you were going to do midichlorians. No. Yeah, midichlorians was too well, easy. Well, one of the things that we talked about earlier was the idea that it was something that didn't need to be explained. I've always said the thing with midichlorians is the only reason midichlorians existed was because they had to find a way to measure Anakin's power. Right. And rather than making it arbitrary, he decided to come up, well, his midichlorian count is really high. And even if they had just said that, yes, that would have been fine. But then they have Qui-Gon try to explain it. They're like, yeah, so it's bugs. I've always thought of this, too. And it would be really cool. This is my fan theory about it, is that... Qui-Gon's crazy? No, no, no. Well, 
that there are a certain group of Jedi that are strong in the living force that believe that there is the, it, it, it's just not something as mystical the as Qui- the Qui-Gon tales in because I just I just read them because they're in um, uh, oh goodness the Rise of the Empire collection from Marvel right that has a couple of different series but it also has um, it's like three or four of the tales of the tales of Star Wars tales comic. Yeah. They have the Qui-Gon ones, and it's very much the idea that he is... And it's in episode one, too, that his connection to the Force is very different. Right, it's more on the living other, side. Yeah, well, it's not even... It's an idea of everything is in the moment. Yes. It's not really focused on trying to predict the future. It's not even dwelling on the past. It's just you make your action based on your decision immediately in a good way and sort of this thing so yeah there's there's that there and I, I want to say that the novelization of episode one has a lot of that too and the way that they've changed not necessarily changed but everything you read in terms of Jetta is very much the cults of the force are very different and they see the force in different ways right you can go all the way to the old legacy novel series with Chase, Jason Solo where Jason through the teacher that he has when he's under um when he's captured by the Vong, is the Force is just the Force. Yeah. There's no... The Force doesn't corrupt you. You corrupt it. And so you can use what would be considered a dark side power. And remember, Luke chokes the Gamorrean guards, and he shouldn't be able to do that. Right. Well, technically, mind, a, mind, a mind trick would be a... The mind trick isn't depends on what you use it for. But how, well, yeah. the idea of choking someone... They kind of said it was choking someone, the Force choke, the Force lightning, and the ability to stop a blaster bolt with your hand were all dark side powers right jason basically says well i can use all those because i'm i know i'm not a bad guy so i'm going to use all that and then of course he goes crazy yeah um the midichlorian thing is all they had to do was say oh i've never seen a jedi with a midichlorian count this high and someone must have watched that screening and just went the hell's a midichlorian you're right i should explain it no yeah i always go back to the dragon ball thing when dragon ball z when vegeta has a scout and he sees gohan for the first time he says it's over nine thousand. 9,000 what? It's just the way that he says it and the, the way that he delivers it knows that there's something special in there. Yeah, so I, I mean, I knew, you know, and we've talked about it on the show, <coughs> excuse me, more so on Nerdables, I think, that, you know, about the midichlorians and... Oh, know. yeah, that's the only place we've talked about. We yeah. We've talked about midichlorians yet because we've only done two shows. Um, right. <laughs> my final one is going to be, it, it's, it's a little weird and it could change, um, but it's kind of my initial reaction to uh, The Force Awakens, and very specifically with Luke Skywalker. Okay. Um, and it comes from the belief that that Rey has some sort of relation to him. And obviously it has also to do with the story of Kylo, and that is Luke is my favorite character. He's always been my favorite character. He always will be my favorite character. I love the way that they treated Luke in the EU with yep. him becoming a master. In the Legacy book series... When he saves his son from Jason, the way that he's described and that he's all but toying with Jason as he's battling him, that he could end this at any point. Right. And from Jason's point of view, it's told from his kind of point of view, it's like, I can't do anything. Like, at any point that my uncle wants to kill me, he could, and he's not doing it. Yeah. He's toying with him. And then at the end, he basically just pushes him out of the way, takes Ben and says, let's go home, and leaves Jason alive. I love that version of him. Um, The version I don't like is the one that abandons the entire galaxy to go live on an island because something goes wrong. Yeah. It bugs me to no end that 
this is what happens with Luke. Because his hero journey, he, he's not the ultimate hero. In the EU, he's the ultimate hero. He's always there for the rebellion, or, the, or I'm sorry, the Republic, the New Republic. He's always there for his sister. He's always there for Han. He turns to the dark side in order to learn from it so that he can defeat the Emperor, which goes wrong, and then Leia saves him, and they defeat right. the Emperor in Dark Empire. And then the Emperor comes back, and then they defeat him, and then the Emperor comes back again. <laughs> the Empire is end, back, which is god off. Just read Dark Empire. Don't ever, flip, yeah, dark, through, flip through uh, Dark Empire 2 because some of the visuals are cool, but I really don't like Dark Empire 2. Empire's End is worthless. Empire's End is horrible. Um, but that's and the people version. People wonder why who, a lot of EU got canned. Yeah, well, the EU got canned because it's like, here, JJ, here's 8,000 pages worth of story you have to make fit. I don't want to do this. Well, sorry. Um, and again, I'm, I'm owning up to we don't know the story yet. Right. But at it, at its surface, and coming from the belief that Ray is, is connected to him in some way, I still think they reveal he's she's his daughter. But in a way, he's doing what Obi Wan did. He's I know what he's I know he's doing it. But the fact is that he's abandoning his family, yes. his name, his cause. When Maz says to Han to get back in the fight, the only fight that matters, the fight against the dark side. Right. Put that into Luke. Oh, I couldn't teach Ben, Kylo. He kills everybody. I'm Do you out. think that's why it would make more sense for Ray to be his daughter? Well, yeah, I've always said that part of it is because because of what happens to Kylo, Luke, and if you watch the trailer, mm, uh, Luke's idea is this, this needs to stop. Right. This whole thing needs to stop. It, this is worthless. Just let people be people. You know, there shouldn't let be the Jedi, let yeah. the Force. And his idea is she has she needs her own um she needs to follow her own path yes she should never know she's a skywalker she should never she know should she's ne- a jedi yeah, she never everything did. for him goes wrong once he finds out that he's connected to vader right you know again we don't know where this comes from uncle ben was to, right it may, it may get to the point where you know luke says uncle owen was right yeah, <laughs> uncle owen Ben's. was like uncle ben yeah. <laughs> it's spider-man if you, you know, flip to that then Ben's actually not that great. I mean, it, it yeah. just depends on where it's you true. go. Yeah, very and, true. And it's, it's like I said, I'm moaning up to the idea that it may change, but at its surface for right now, the thing that bugs me is the idea that Luke abandons everybody. Yeah, I get that. that. He, aban- he abandons the resistance. He abandons his sister. He abandons Han. He abandons his nephew. This is he abandons his, his failure, nephew who his, he turned in this. Yeah, his his failure with Ben slash Kylo. Instead of owning up to it and attempting to to fix it, like Jaina does with Jason in the EU, where she knows she doesn't have a choice but to face her brother. And spoilers, super spoilers. If you haven't read the Legacy series, you're not gonna like this. But she kills him. Yeah, she doesn't turn him back to the light side. Yeah. <laughs> she murders him. And Han Solo is like, great. I had three kids, and two of them are dead, and one of them got killed by the other one. That's awesome. Um, so that's the right, thing. Like, it sticks. It sticks in my craw. Like I don't want Luke to be the guy who abandons everybody. That's not the hero you fall. In the end, the only hero of your original three, four, if you want to put Chewie, five, if you want to put Lando, of the five, the only one that continues to do the right thing is Leia. R two. No, of the five. I know. Of the five. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. R two and C three PO technically don't have a choice. Um, well, C-3PO less so than R2. Neither of them. Well, R2's with Luke. So he, and that's the other thing. It's like, if Luke leaves, 
just like leave R2 on the planet, just sit there and like, okay, where is everybody coming? Well, no, because okay, R- what I want you to do is shut down. Yeah. We're going to take you back to the base. And then when the story calls for it, you're going to suddenly come back to life. See, that's the problem. That's why the novelization of the of Force Awakens. Oh, I get, I, I, because they mention in there I like, that the Empire... I like Alan the, Dean Foster. I could not get through that. The the wording in his style... Uh, it's oh hard, yes. But, and it doesn't change anything for you or ruin anything. But they just say that the Empire has most of the... You know, the, the Empire records... Are, or the First Order has the Empire records, so they know they have another piece of the puzzle. R2 comes back, you know, or awake, awakens, if you will... Because he oh hears God, the whole movie is about R two. Because he hears the fact that, oh, the Empire records have hold a key to the trade. You know the the hyperspace lanes. He has all those records because he's never been, uh, re, uh had his memory wiped. Yeah, he's never had his memory wiped. So he has all of the old Republic, all of the Republic. One of the things, if he knows where Luke is, did he go there with Luke? He didn't have the. He has a missing. There's a missing. Oh yeah, piece. he has everything but the. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the last thing that kind of bugs me. Or, or, you know, potentially has something where you just kind of go, in terms of a story, because you're changing Luke's character. You're changing yeah. the hero, who's, who's ultimately the ultimate hero in the first one. What he does, he saves his father. He faces down the Emperor. He renounces the dark side before he kills Anakin, you know, Darth Vader. Yep. You know, I'm a Jedi. He, he knows, he's, he goes up to the Death Star knowing, I have a very good chance of dying. He, he comes close to the nothing. dark side when, you know, um, when he, when uh, he Vader mentions Leia. Well, also the but also and when the he Luke attacks, thing is Empire. Yeah, Yoda, who he's been with for however many weeks or months or what have you, in terms of how long the Falcon takes to get to to Bespin, and how long they're on Bespin, Yoda says, "You can't go. Screw you. Yeah, these are my friends. I'm going. I don't abandon. I've got to do the right thing. Wait, yes, I'm going to. I'm going to abandon them. And you know, we'll see. I'm hoping his story gets told in episode." In, in episode eight, and I swear to God, I swear to God, Ryan Johnson, if you kill Luke Skywalker on screen, I may never want to watch a Star Wars movie again. <laughs> if you want, if you make me watch him die, oh boy, that's that's not going to be good. Because then you don't have anybody for episode nine. Yeah, um, which they could do. I really think they could do that. They what, could. I, what I said is before when I said that I didn't think having the three of them in the movie was a good idea because you're going to have to move forward at some point. You know, maybe that's where they—that's where they say we're going to do an entire film with just the three new people or four people or whatever. They could, so but who knows? But well, then you you kill kill Lando in this one too. Lando's the leader of the resistance. <laughs> Lando's got to get his son back, dude. He's got to get—he's got to get Flynn. Do you think Lando gave the lightsaber to Maz? No, because he leaves no. Bespin with them. Mm-hmm. He does return. Jahoris Cyborg too. Well, we don't know for sure if he returns. Lobot could have given it that to all, him. That all gets thrown out. Yeah. His return to Bespin in both ways. Because there's a, there's a Marvel comic that he goes back to Bespin. Through. Right. He fights Lobot because Lobot's been infected or whatever. Yes. Oh, you want continuity errors. <laughs> Go through the Marvel comic. Even at the time. Because there's there's the, the one where the Wedge gets left on Hoth. And Luke and R2 go back to find him, and he's all crazy. And they said that uh, Wedge is friends with Luke as kids on Tatooine. Like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Wedge is curly and not, tattooing, not from Tatooine. He never spent any time. Wait, they're kids. What? No. No, they changed. Wait. <laughs> that moment I read that was much like. Um, I would love to hear what uh, 
I know people don't usually comment or write on our <laughs> our pages, but I'd love to see what other people find. Are there big things? Yeah, I mean, the stuff that, like I said, there's little things that bug you, and there's technical issues and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, yeah. There's people like, I hate George and I hate the Ewoks, and I hate Wampas, and I hate this, and I hate everything. But I'm a big Star Wars fan. I just hate 95% of it. Um, but I'm... stuff, yeah, that, that bugs you in terms of the way the story goes and sometimes i mean you can see things and that's why i was trying to do like retcon stuff because like luke and leia kissing yeah it, it bugs you but it's like lucas had no idea at that time that yep. he was going to write that i mean he's admitted i think now he's like oh no i knew the whole time and I'm like no the first interview you did you admitted like, well i need some way to get luke out of from under the gantry way now, what can vader use to oh yeah there you go He's the sister. She's the well, sister. Yeah, originally, yeah, yeah. he wrote it in there because then, it made a nice little three-way oh, triangle. And yeah, well, that's you see it at the end of of A New Hope, and now you have all of the authors of the new canon stories trying to figure out how to address Luke's uh, infatuation. obvious infatuation and crush. And I don't remember if it's in that Luke Skywalker novel. Uh, or if it's uh, in Greg Ruckus series where it's like, I just like her a lot, like a, like a sister. She's like my <laughs> best friend. Well, but the funny thing is, you got to think about it. She's the first girl Luke has really seen. I mean, other than, I mean, well, Cammie, sure but you don't see it. You know. Yes. Well, you, you can assume that he's seen other women yeah. at some point. <laughs> so she's someone as close to his own age, yeah. literally. But, Only yeah. a few minutes younger. Or a few seconds younger. No, I, I would. I'd love to see what other people find that bug them. Yeah. You know, like Ewoks don't really bug me. I I, I, I love I, Ewoks. I, I love them. I, I like the. I get the I've metaphor said for them. The, the, I've when I got a little older and I kind of fell into that trap. Ewoks are stupid. But I realized, like, why do I like Ewoks? And it's not just that they're cute and cuddly, but I took it as a metaphor. I took it as an allegory for the entire series. And I know Lucas yeah. didn't intend that. Um, but if you read, there's gotta find that book there's a book that i have that i bought in the 90s which was essays about star wars um and so many people overlooked the one, fact that they there's were one actually in it that was like how i how i um how i learned to love episode one or something like that but there's a great dissertation in it about the fact that lucas is um anti-industrial anti-progress and stuff you know the empire establishment yeah. well no empire just reprints progress and forward and the industrial revolution and everything but one of the things he writes about is is the subconsciousness of him writing the ewoks as the native peoples who are attempting to throw progress literally off their planet right and when you read that you like that to me solidifies the allegory of the underdog yeah in this case of you know maybe even subconsciously he was writing this idea of going the ewoks represent the rebellion there's no way the rebellion should win because the guys they're fighting built a machine that could blow up a planet right and they're going to build up another one. Oh wait they did and you're still you get it in rogue one a little where the the, the council's like what are you talking i'm not going up against this thing are you out of your mind yeah i'm not gonna get my planet blown up so i've always brought that so i'm fine with ewoks jar jar is jar jar who cares um I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody has that crazy uncle or relative or he knows somebody that, you know. That great fan film where Jar Jar meets with him. No, you don't understand Jar Jar. The, the, the yeah. fans really, really, Misa, people hate Misa. They, they, they hate you. See, it, it's weird because it changes all the other films because you were going to be the Christ figure. What? 
<laughs> crude drawing. It was fantastic. Oh, that was great. But yeah, I mean, I still, the Gungans are fine. That's the meme that's going around now. Who would win? 10,000 military-grade hardened battle droids or a couple of hundred fish lizards with water balloons? <laughs> But that's the point. That's the you know, episode. They always got to have those battles, those final battles between the people. Well, I mean, no if you really want to get to the stuff that bugs you, I mean, Anakin as a kid flying the new the Naboo fighter into the uh, in- he was spinning. <laughs> that's a neat trick. Well, again, that natural, uh, you know, or, or supernatural power, which we've seen with Ray. Yeah, Ray's able to defeat someone who's been trained. Yeah, with a lightsaber. Um, even the fact that Bobby's not well because Finn holds his own against him for a couple minutes. Well, the, the what I liked about and that he's was not, he's not easy. He can't even kill Finn. He just hits him in the back and just scars him. Yeah. Well, but what I like about that is it shows that you know for for all we've ever seen is that most people that use a lightsaber are Jedi trained. You know, it's like okay, yeah. the only people that can use lightsabers are Jedi's. Well, well no. the, there's there's that trivia in the six films. What are the what are the I think it's like seven non-force users that hold a lightsaber. Yeah. In any way. And I, oh man, I couldn't get one of them. I got the one, I played that game with Dimitri because he saw it. He's like, there's seven people in the six Well, it was one in the Trivia Pursuit that we played too. I think so, yeah. So I don't want to give the answer, but there is, and I don't remember if it's seven. I don't think it's seven. Well, maybe seven now. No, in in the original six films. Right. So in the original six films, I think there's seven non-force using characters that handle a lightsaber. Um, I mean, at least hold the hilt. Yeah. Not necessarily ignite it. No. There's only one that ignites it, I think. Yes. Um, but that was that was kind of the thing. I was like, oh. And there was one that Demetri and I both couldn't get. And then there was one that he got that I didn't think of. And there was one that I got that he didn't think of. Well, let's save it for another episode. Yeah. Because I think this is our longest one. <laughs> oh, probably easily. Usually we're not. Whatever. So yeah, so that's our Star Wars Declassified. We are, you, I don't think anyone will listen to this before tomorrow, but we are going to the Scum and Villainy Cantina pop-up here in LA to record our regular Nerdables episode tomorrow. We'll be live streaming that. I'm sure that video then gets archived on our Facebook page, so you guys can check that out. Um, we'll be doing another one of these soon. We've got a couple of different topics to do. Um, some of the topics, especially when they're single character, they take a while because I need to do research for them, and it drives me crazy. Well, we need to do even just doing this. I looked up because I wanted to look up what the first non-Star Wars story. I'm like, I know it's number seven, right? But when was it published? And I had to find that out. Splinters of the Mind Eye, and then I had you know Han Solo was just after it, and I'm like. They published Lando before Empire? No, you idiot. Really? <laughs> um, and then look up the dates. I knew it was 91, but I couldn't remember. But even something like Ahsoka, you know, you, we have Ahsoka, to go, there was a ton of stuff for it. You have to go, we have to go back and watch the Clone Wars movie. It's not necessarily to watching, to, but, but to, to kind get of her get, first arc. There's a lot of different stuff that goes into those in terms of kind of going through the history. You know, kind of what we did with Darth Maul. Um, but more so, you know, I just wanted to get more into the, I thought the Darth Maul one. Well, good. I thought there was a little bit more of trying to do not necessarily what his character's chronology is, but how that character progressed in terms of the fandom, and that's right. what I want to do with Ahsoka. Oh yeah, I want to talk the fandom of Ahsoka. Well, it's funny the it's reactions because... from her first appearance to the point in which people are showing up at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim with the Ahsoka Live shirt. 
which I'm still mad at her universe for telling me that they would only put it in girl sizes because guys don't like Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, but see... I want that shirt. Well, we don't do... Like, I watched like, an episode last night of Clone Wars from Season 3 to get prepared for something for tomorrow, for one of the trivia questions for tomorrow. And... Oh, God, this Clone Wars Episode 3 trivia tomorrow? Oh, I'm going to fail that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's... There's just... It's... it's I, over, I, I actually probably told you too much. Um, now i got to go watch Season 3 when I get home. <laughs> and it's almost midnight. Uh, no, but there's just such a change in her character... Yeah, you know, when you get oh, yeah. past season, when you, you get can when watch she the first one, when she gets as the seasons get further along, she matures so much. Not just you know the, the way her character's drawn, but the the attitude and the, the way when she, she stops calling him Sky Guy. Yeah. yeah, yes, no, they they definitely had something. You know, when I move an astromech droid this way, when I was a kid, because I wanted all my characters, yeah, to have guns, I turned the astromech up like a cannon, and that I used to pretend that R two D two shot laser bolts out of the bottom basically out of his ass well, you know, and why uh, isn't that canon that would be awesome and of course r5d4 came with the yes. missile he popped open as a missile launcher that when he was re-released that but terrible figure when you were a kid where was the when r2d2 would fly for you it was a blaster from the bottom right from the hole that they had in the bottom of oh the... i never had him fly he didn't no he was See, i always like had him fly when he was no little. i just had it was a cannon it yeah was, that's how because for, for almost like an entire summer, I decided to do... I had Han and Luke, R2-D2, and 3PO in the Rebel Transport. Yeah. Because that was the biggest ship I had. And it was like their adventures as they went from planet to planet. And so every time 3PO and R2 would get in trouble, 3PO would hit R2 on the head and he would turn into a cannon. <laughs> and he'd start firing at the stormtroopers or whatever. That's, that's why when Chopper had the blaster, or the... Uh, the Rocket, the rocket come out in the of middle. His, uh, I guess his butt. It came out from underneath. That's where I was like, "Oh, finally!" That's how I, I can figure saw out it. how Chopper gets a rocket. We're way off topic already, or not already? But the end. How Chopper gets the wheel and the rocket back into the body? Yeah, they shouldn't fit. No, I mean I know Kenny Baker can fit in there. God rest his soul. But I don't know how. But how, how does how do those two pieces fit in that yeah. small little frame? Well, there we go. Now we got more bugging stuff. How well, and the other thing is, fit? the other thing is. If you look at Chopper's wheel, it's just like an old like cartwheel for you know. Like, yeah, and his legs go back and he goes yeah. as a as a as a unicycle. <laughs> yeah, which shouldn't have, have a motor in it either. Yeah, All right, so uh, yeah, social media stuff. You can find us. Um, we have Facebook. a Star Wars Declassified page on Facebook uh, that you can find us. I think is there a link for it? if you go to the Nerdables page? Yes. Okay, so if you go to the Nerdables page, there's a link for it there. Or it's just um, facebook.com slash nerdables. Reply uh, nerdables. Put a nerdables in there. It's also uh, facebook.com slash declassified, which almost all, a lot of our Star Wars stuff goes up onto declassified. Yeah. Although. And they get shared over on nerdables. Yeah. So that way you can leave us some comments. You can come in and talk about anything. Or you can leave us a comment on iTunes, which really helps. Yes. It gets people hopefully listening to this so that we can do more fun stuff like this because that would be cool. Um, yeah, we also post things on uh, Instagram. Nerdable's Instagram. Some light posts that are there. Once in a while, I post on Facebook. <laughs> and then we're just like, oh, you finally posted something. Yep, I did. And then somebody else posts it right after me because they don't look at the page before they post it. Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> do I do that a lot still? All right, so uh, we'll talk to you from Scum and Villainy next time. <laughs>